I would like to give a quick content warning for this episode of Exposing Your High School Reading List. This episode will be focused on To Kill a Mockingbird, and in discussing the plot points of this book, we will be discussing violence against Black bodies, as well as rape. Hello, and welcome to Exposing Your High School Reading List. This is a podcast dedicated to unpacking and improving the high school English curriculum. We're going to start our introductions today with our current favorite musical, Greta. Oh, 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 that's a difficult one for me. Yeah, so my name's Greta once again, and at the moment I have My Petersburg from Anastasia blasting through my head, so I'm going to say that's my favorite right now. I'm Becca. My favorite musical right now is Beetlejuice. I'm Elise, and my favorite musical, always and forever, is Pride and Prejudice, a new musical. Not like the original one, not the one that you know. It is off, 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 off Broadway, founded on Amazon Prime, and it is absolutely incredible. Something that you will learn about me very fast is that I am a Pride and Prejudice scholar. <laughs> I think we can call it that at this point. And it's just amazing. So if you like Pride and Prejudice... Let's be clear, it's no longer on Amazon Prime. It's not. <laughs> you, had to, you have to buy it. But I'm, I promise you it's worth it. It's so worth it. All right. Today we would like to discuss To Kill a Mockingbird and how this book is largely seen as the defining or classic book on racism. We would like to unpack why that is, especially seeing as this book is very white-centric, written by a white person, and the racism is more of a B-plot than an A-plot. If you haven't taken our survey yet, this is how we're getting our information, but To Kill a Mockingbird was pretty much the top response for commonly read high school English texts, but there was a surprising lack of commentary about it in the comment section. Yeah, and, you know, that just goes back to this idea of, like, a lot of people claim that To Kill a Mockingbird is, like, their favorite book from high school. Like, that's the one that they cite as, like, really having enjoyed, and I don't know if that's just because, like, it's about kids, and so it has some, like, childhood themes in it or what, but, you know, for it being people's favorite, they don't really want to talk about it that much, especially not the portrayal of racism in the book. Yeah, so I read this, I think a lot of people read this also uh, in freshman year, and it was very much presented as this book is about race. We're going to talk about race. There are going to be hard conversations. And then I was waiting for it. I was like, is this all that they're going to talk about? They're just going to have this one side plot? I don't understand why we're framing this as a discussion about race if it's largely not. Yeah, and... Like, I mean, this goes back to, Becca, how you introduced this book, right? Like, there's Mm -hmm. this, like, A plot and B plot. And I think when we were reading it in high school, we're like, oh, okay, the racism and, like, the discussion about, like, this black man on trial, that's that's the A plot because that's what we're having conversations about. And then this whole deal with Boo Radley and, you know, the guy in the basement of this house that's following these children around (laughs) is the B plot. (laughs) And, you know... In preparing for this episode, we were going back through, and I think all of us were pretty surprised to find out that that wasn't the case. And that, you know, Boo Radley's position in the book takes, like, a pretty substantial portion, which is honestly kind of frustrating and disappointing when To Kill a Mockingbird is, you know, like, the book on race that we read in our English classes. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, it goes back to where's the perspective in the book, right? We're looking from the eyes of a little girl. We're looking from the eyes of Scout. 
And her main interest is in Boo Radley because it's just, you know, he's just like a, some weird guy. And I think just the nature of, you know, the, the black character is the one who goes on trial is the one who ultimately gets killed. Like, how can she really have a connection with this person if she is, what is she, eight? Yeah, she's, she's, she's really young. She's young. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like through her dad. So it's just like Atticus is the one that's fighting for Tom. He's the one fighting for this black man on trial. And so she's like seeing it through his eyes, kind of. And she's like gaining some empathy towards black people in that sense there's like a scene where she goes to like a black church and like is welcomed by a lot of people and she's like oh look black people have feelings too (laughs) and you're like you're like what is going on here you know and then the kicker for me though is that at the end of the book right it's this whole experience she's had with boo radley who's like being shunned by the town where she learns to accept boo radley because he's come out and saved her from being knifed (laughs) (laughs) and and that's you know essentially what causes her to like feel empathy for others you know it's like oh look this recluse was nice to me when no one thought he would be let's forget about like all of these black people who welcomed me into their lives who are also treated really terribly by society. Like that didn't teach me any empathy at all. I don't know. It's just like a really weird juxtaposition. It was only when her own life was on the line that Mm -hmm. like something happened, but also she's an eight year old girl. Right. What can we really expect from her? You know, this connection to the main black character is so indirect as Greta was talking about, you know, through her father. And then, and then here we are, you know, why are we framing it like this? Why are we looking at racism through this perspective? It brings me back to a lot of the commentary that you hear nowadays about boy in the striped pajamas and you know how giving the voice not to the person who's being marginalized, but to someone who is on the outside and is largely unaware of it yeah. is so deeply problematic. Right, right. I think where these authors are coming from, which is a flawed perspective, I'll put that out there first, is that as a white author, you shouldn't be writing from this perspective of a person of color. That's not your story to tell. So I think the way that they kind of get around that is by telling the story through a white person's perspective. But I think that same central question should be considered is, is this your story to tell? Mm -hmm. So this is largely seen as like one of the most accessible ways for, say, white students to get introduced to the idea of racism. But one of the common arguments I hear is, if a black child is old enough to be subject to racism, your white child is old enough to learn about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think they should be doing it from the perspective of the people who are being marginalized. Exactly. Because if they're already in their own shoes, they're already the little white child, then they don't need another perspective of that. Not nearly as much as they need the perspective of the black person, mm-hmm. of the Jewish person, of any of those groups that really deserve to have their voices heard. Right. Especially because, you know, when we have books like this written by white authors and they're, they're writing about topics of racism, particularly, so it's taking place during the Great Depression. Uh, obviously, the N-word is used a lot more during that time. It shows up a lot in the book, and that brings up a ton of terrible things about how this book is taught by English teachers and predominantly white English teachers. I know that in my school, we read this book aloud, or our teacher read it aloud to us and insisted on saying the N-word every single time, which is, you know, like, appalling. And, like, in a predominantly white high school like I went to, 
what it really just like teaches those students is like oh it's okay to say the n-word and like do these things like in these specific scenarios you know even if you're having conversations where it's like okay yeah don't use it as a slur don't say it to a black person like maybe don't use it at all right exactly that's (laughs) what we should be teaching people is don't use it right exactly and you know I just think that if we were teaching a book that centered the black perspective instead as opposed to centering scout in this book this little white girl that would be less of an issue because black authors are a lot more aware of when they use the n-word and not only that but like they take into account how it would be perceived by white audiences, particularly if it's going to be used in an educational setting. Right. If they're assuming that the audience is white, you know, right. we see this with Letter to My Son by ta Coates. Like, that is a great example. So one of the things that we learned from one of our anonymous survey responses is that some kids were introduced to this book as early as middle school. And that is a very formative time, especially when we should be learning compassion, which this book attempts to teach. But again, if the teachers are constantly using racial slurs in the teaching of this book, it is not getting across the correct message. So talking about how this book is taught, of course, we have to address that these teachers should not be using these racial slurs and these harmful words. But this book can still hold some value, especially if you want to discuss how Harper Lee gets into the mind of Scout, such a young girl, and the way that her perspective kind of changes the book. But in that case, we're not teaching this book in order to introduce these white kids to racism, because I think as we've discussed, this really isn't the most effective or thoughtful way to do this. Yeah, and to that extent, it also shouldn't be anyone's only experience talking about racism in in high school. I mean, this was like the only book that we used in our curriculum in my high school. And that to me was the biggest issue. Right. So we think maybe it should at the very least be paired with another story that perhaps examines racism from the perspective of a black person or another person of color. One of the books that came to my mind was The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, kind of similarly to To Kill a Mockingbird. It's written for young adults I think it's done in a fantastic way. It tackles racism and police brutality from the perspective of a black person. It's written by a black author. She doesn't shy away from heavy topics and doesn't talk down to the readers either. It's very accessible in this way. It doesn't use any bigger confusing language, at least not that I gathered. Yeah. And not to mention that, you know, the nice thing that To Kill a Mockingbird does is it talks about like the unjust court system, how there's no evidence in Tom Robinson's case for him having done anything wrong for raping a white woman. He still gets shot 17 times by the guards. And, you know, this just goes to show that the jury system is incredibly corrupt and it still is. And The Hate You Give does a really similar thing in showing the corrupt court system as well. The main character taking us through the process of acting as witness in a court trial. And so they're both doing similar things. It's just one is giving it from the Black perspective and contextualizing that better for us. It's important also to, you know, if we're talking about the injustice in in our own justice system, to not only say you know, oh, this was what was happening back in the Great Depression, but it's still happening now so much. And I think that a lot of people, you know, if you're only focusing on texts that are looking at slavery, even if it is from a black perspective, like if you don't also say, hey, 
like racism isn't over. Like it is mm-hmm. still so prevalent in our society. It is still, you know, so institutionalized. And that's one of the things that I think makes the hate you give such a great option to pair with it or even replace it with because it's a modern book. It's something that I think all of the teenagers or kids reading it can really relate to. Yeah, and then you can get this overarching message of like, okay, yeah, so we have the To Kill a Mockingbird here. It takes place during the Great Depression, right? You're like, racism, big thing then. Guess what? Still a big thing now. And you're looking at the two things side by side. Looking forward, we want to hear from you. Let us know what other books you would either pair with To Kill a Mockingbird or replace it with in order to increase the impact of this lesson. You can do this by finding us on social media at EYRL Podcast. That's EYRL Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We now have our website, which is EYRLPodcast.wordpress.com. And you can go old school and shoot us an email. And that is podcast, EYRL, at gmail.com. So that's flipped. And you can also still participate in our survey, as we said. This is where we get your quotes. This is where we hear from you. It is also linked on all social media. You can find it anywhere. (laughs) Once again, thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something useful.